Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T, so I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good, so. So update your um, DFW rankings of hot dads under Dude, 40. I'm so ready to be viewed as a hot dad. <laughs> the Observer, I've heard him. I've seen the Slack channel. It's it's hot. Updates ever across the board. It's pretty much just like getting releca- uh, relegated in sports where... <laughs> New bracket. Yeah, you know, like we used, to, we used to do this a lot in flag football where we just got a little too good for the B bracket mm-hmm. out of like the A, B, and the C. So they moved us up to the A and we just got oh, no. curb stomped. It's like jumping up to 3A from 2A football. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's we, we more your state. language. We exactly. went to state in my freshman year in 2A. So I got to play a lot in 3A. I was like, oh, no. On one hand, I feel like, you know, I'm going to be right at the low age end of the dads. Mm-hmm. So I have a pretty good shot there. But on the other end of that is that some dudes who have been dads for a few years have like really left mm-hmm. going to the bar on Saturday yeah. behind them and they like eat quinoa. They gave up the ghost and they just bought. Yeah, so so maybe they get it's up not in the morning work. and work out at five thirty every day. Yeah. I'm getting up at five thirty, but it ain't to work <laughs> out. It's the clean butts. <laughs> well, uh welcome clean back. Butts. Congratulations. I did get to watch a lot of basketball. That's good. It's pretty sweet now if League Pass or whatever, if you use streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can hold a baby and... <laughs> watch a game? Yeah. It's pretty sweet. That's an age-old tradition. How old, how long, how many months in? I'm going to say six. I'm just guessing six until we uh, start teaching this kid a, a wet jumper. Well, someone else is going to have to teach. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. <laughs> this is... This is my. I think you know that. This is my place. I can teach her basically how to mimic Dwight Powell's game. <laughs> That's about the ceiling for me. Is just be willing to go to the floor. Early career Aminu. Yeah. I'm just like just keep jumping. Yeah. Well, I'll round out the game. Shoot her out a teach her how to shoot from uh thirty feet out. I would appreciate that. Yeah. Just to make sure she's got a nice, well balanced. She's, she's got decent size. Yeah. Yeah. She's nice. I think she's gonna end up being semi tall. She was above average for height. Yeah, y'all are both relatively tall. Yeah, so I think we should be good on that front. Yeah, is it more about the mom on the height? I don't even know. I really don't know either. Maybe it's not my kid. We did a... uh, (laughs) (laughs) We... uh, yeah, you you just had a kid, so you figured this out in real time. We did a twenty three and me, Jake, oh, <laughs> over nice. the holidays. So nice, nice. Uh, the wife—that's all the wife ta- has talked about for about a month now. Is uh, yeah, maybe we got that uh, that elite power athlete gene. Maybe we do. Uh, what was the episode? There's a South Park episode of a couple weeks ago. Oh no, or a couple seasons ago, where <laughs> when Randy finds out that he's uh, that he's like two percent Neanderthal. <laughs> Like, he basically starts telling people he's a minority. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is just, like, what words can you say or not say based on what your DNA is? Yeah. So people are, like, looking to be able to it's fun. identify it's a, it's a, as a minority. I mean, I'll pay 150 bucks for a fun two hours of looking through something. Like, I don't know. Better not commit any crimes. Yeah. It was it was fun. Cause they, can, they got you now. They got you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this is the four-pointer. Episode 16, um, glad to be back. Thank you for 
still hanging in there with us and enjoying the rest of the podcast that we run as well. And if you're listening to this on January 21st of the year 2019, this right now is the last day for NBA All-Star voting. And your votes count double. Today, everyone's a super delegate. So <laughs> if you want to pause this podcast or just uh, flip over the tab to your internet browser and just type in mavs.com slash all-star or just Google the player you're trying to vote for, it's probably a, uh, I think it's a two or three click process to vote for somebody. Um, do that today. Uh, Luca has a healthy lead on, um, who the hell was it? I think it was their Paul George in the front court. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a 300,000 above uh, Steph, not Seth. He's probably 300, 3 million above Seth. Um, but he was on top of Steph last time we looked. And with the news of LeBron's growing strain being a grade two, I mean, there's a very slim possibility there that Luka Doncic could be your selecting captain <laughs> on the uh, the little draft show that they do. That's a very funny idea to me that I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to learn here is that the fans are not as head-ass as <laughs> some of the players and coaches will be because the right. fans understand that this is a – exhibition game that's supposed to be fun Mm -hmm. so even if he runs away with that 50 percent, i think that the players will like to protect the tradition a little more you know what i mean yeah this is frustrating i I don't i haven't figured out like the point system you can't find that anywhere right i can't find like okay it's 50 percent, 25 25 right right but But how many coaches equal 1 million fans type thing yeah and i'm always a big fan uh people got really mad whenever i first did this i don't remember what mavericks player it was that found i'd have to go back to their roster a few years ago but the first year that the that i remember the fan voting being made public Mm -hmm. um to go look at all the guys who had one vote oh yeah yeah the player voting you mean yeah yeah player player voting voting, when they made it public that's the that's the vote for yourself all-stars yeah and uh nerlens was in that list i think that year somebody was really mad at me oh no because i tweeted player yeah oh god like, look, it's funny, dude. Yeah, it's hilarious. Don't... No one's, no one's mad at you about this. Like, just it it's funny. I mean, Nerlens definitely did it. Yeah. There was one player vote, um, at the front court for Nerlens, and you knew it was Nerlens who voted for Nerlens. <laughs> um, but yeah, those guys are those guys are heroes. <laughs> I'd I vote. Would... I'd vote for myself. I don't care. Hell yeah. I don't care. Absolutely. You got to figure out who your ride or die like crew is. <laughs> if you get a, a nice six votes. That's your boys. Right. Those are your real friends. Start looking um, around that room. Yeah, see who see who kept their pack with you on the uh, the all-star voting. But yeah, go vi- go vote today. Mavs.com slash all-star is pretty easy, but if you want to Google uh, the name of the player you're trying to vote for, obviously Luca is our focus as of now, um, now that he's uh, second in the Western Conference and I think third overall, only behind Giannis and LeBron James. Um, I'm going to the all-star weekend regardless, so I hope it's – for Luca participating in the Rising Stars in the regular game and in like the Skills Challenge, so I'm gonna be following that dude around the entire time. So uh, yeah, let's get Luca to the All Star game. It's it's you don't think of it as like such a big deal until, but it is like it really is. I thought the first votes were gonna come in and it'd be kind of cute and funny, and oh look, he'd be starting right now on the West, and then uh, the second ones come out and there's like a backlash from fans who won't vote for him anymore or something like that, but. I think he's going to make it, and it's a it's a big thing for the Mavs brand overall. Like, we wouldn't spend this much money and work so much on trying to get him to be an all-star if it didn't matter. Yeah. Because it's a spotlight, uh, and he needs to be on it because he is one of the, I don't know, 10, 12 best stories of the NBA this year. Um, so anyway, we'll put that to bed uh, after today, um, and I think voting comes out the 24th, I think, results. And then they do that little show where they uh, they draft the teams, and then it's up to the coaches, um, coaches and player votes after that. So hopefully he's there. I think he deserves it. Um, and yeah, today I guess we can jump into some of the vitals and a little bit of the Milwaukee game uh, that happened today, since we are recording in a weird, in the, the rare recording between a back to back. Yeah, uh, that we get to do because it's an early MLK Day game up in Milwaukee. But now we're at 20, 20 and 26, 3 and 7 in our last 10, 4 and 20 on the road. Um, so not great on the road still, as you uh, might imagine. The biggest news that we will get to here in just a minute 
is Dennis Smith Jr. will return on Tuesday, which is tomorrow for the Lakers game from his absence. And we'll dive into that. Well, most of this podcast will be about that. So don't worry. Um, but today's game. Clipper game. Yeah, for the Clipper game tomorrow. Um, today's game was up in Milwaukee. Um, I didn't realize how stinking good the Bucks were because we never get to see them. But just looking at some of the numbers leading into that, I was like, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> We're escaping this place uh, with a win. Uh, best record in basketball right now. And it just feels like when I see teams like this, it's it's Milwaukee, it's it's Denver, it's um, Sacramento is probably a year or two away from this. I'm like, I see a team that every single player has a super defined role. Uh, they have a ton of two-way guys. Uh, almost everybody in the starting unit can dribble past shoot. And you kind of see, I, I watch these kind of teams and, you know, I watch it and I hope the Mavs compete and I hope the Mavs win that game, but I watch it and kind of see how do we build our way towards that. So it's kind of fascinating to me to watch the Kings whenever they come in here, where we, we go out there or watch the Bucks or watch the Nuggets because that's us in a couple of years. You've got that cornerstone. You've got that dude that's, I mean, Giannis is top one, two, three player. Uh, Jokic is a top 10 player. And then Sacramento's just kind of doing it by. I would throw the Raptors in, yeah, and fitting exactly what you're talking about. Also, yeah, but they, they, I don't. I'm kind of talking about teams that rose a little bit quicker because the Raptors are always kind of there. They are, but that's also a way different group of dudes necessarily than we're used to. Yeah, and they now have like five guys who can do everything. Mm -hmm. With when you add in Siakam and Van Fleet and Powell, <laughs> it's kind of the league's response to teams that don't have two or three stars, right? Yeah. It's, okay, everyone plays both ways. Everyone can dribble past shoot, and we can beat you in about six different kinds of basketball. Clippers are trying. Clippers are trying, for sure. And it, it gets kind of ugly whenever it doesn't work like that. Like, uh, I don't think the early season Clippers, if you told them where they are right now, they'd be very happy. Um, just because you kind of have, around about game 50, you start realizing you have a talent deficiency. If your guy isn't one of those top five, ten guys. I'd be really interested to see what the Bucks look like in a competitive playoff series. Yes. Because on paper, I think that some of the other guys they have, not even on paper, they're they're doing it. But I would like to see them do it in a pretty tough situation. Like mm -hmm. I want to see if Middleton and Brogdon can can do this if they have to do it. Like if you you know what else is weird is I don't think people realize how poor of a shooting year Giannis is having. Oh yeah, it's like fifteen percent from three, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he he's he's Ben Simmons, but he'll take him. He's seventeen of ninety seven. Yeah. Uh and I was actually wow. looking at this the other day because I was looking at uh Junior's catch and shoot numbers. Mm -hmm. And I had to pull it back up here for you, but you know how you go to the bottom of the population to mm -hmm. see how many out of how many? Yeah. Every time I did that, Giannis was at the bottom. Yeah. And he hasn't figured out the shooting yet. He's still scoring, you know. Yeah, 30. 28 a game or something. So, yeah, I, I do wonder if, if, you can, if you can take that. If, if he can't shoot and those other guys can't come through, can they be competitive in the postseason? But I love their coach. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's weird, too. I, Bob actually said something to me today. He said, uh, you know, because he's a pretty big Bucks fan, and he's like, man, Jalen Brunson or uh, Malcolm Brogdon, shouldn't that be Jalen Brunson's, like, just be this? I'm like, maybe, but Malcolm Brogdon is an effing condor for a guy that size. Mm -hmm. The Bucks are so, so long. Yeah. That's why, even though I like Brunson, the idea of a guy who can be your heady bench guard or, hell, if it comes up, even your starter, I just, that's my one reservation with Dennis, too. I just I don't know that I like I love the dude and I want him to be here, but I don't want to take any more guys who have arms that small. Yeah. Because if you look at I mean, there were so many plays today where even if the Bucks blow a coverage, they can still get a steal or break up a pass because they're just too long. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I mean Brunson has way undersized wingspan for a dude of his height, and so does Dennis, really. Yeah. They're both short arm dudes. Yeah, whereas Brogdon is and you know, Giannis obviously is Different story. Yeah, and I think that's why Brogdon was like, what, 17th, 18th pick, and um, Jalen is 33rd. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's that stuff matters eventually, and I, I found that I, that popped in my head, the the idea of them playing 
everybody that has a six, seven or longer wingspan. Um, Middleton's long as hell too. Yeah, besides, I guess besides Bledsoe, he's yeah. got, he's got kind of shorter arms. But uh, I mean, you can kinda, have one of those guys. Yeah, one dude. Um, but it, it popped to my head whenever in the first quarter, I'm like, how is Brooke Lopez blocking us? And the, and if all Brooke Lopez has to do is like step into a drive, and kind of uh, you're already in a losing position because you've had to maneuver through these eight other dudes that are six ten, then it it's easy to clean up. Yeah, it's basically the exact opposite of what the Mavericks have been asking DeAndre <laughs> to do. Yeah. Um, and on one hand, DeAndre has, like, the highest rebounding percentage in the league. Right. On the other hand, he isn't blocking anything. Yeah, he doesn't block point. anything, and he has the second highest turnover percentage of any player in the league. So it's like, okay. There was <laughs> one today that was so bad. <laughs> like His passing is it's, – yeah. it's an adventure. There's no way around it. I mean, it's just it's, – it's, to me, it's one of those things that even when it works – Mm-hmm. it's not I don't know it's not all that it's like you know if a guy's missing threes or something you just say okay but I don't know right I it's just not one of those keep shooting type no things. it's not really at all like it works every now and then and then somehow it seems like that validates them running it way more the turnover today whenever he was trying to find Wes was the most telegraphed <laughs> cut I've seen maybe from them all year it was bad yeah and then also like I said you've got four dudes on the floor who have 6'10 wingspans or longer. Mm-hmm. And that, that brings up something else, which is, okay, you're trying to grind blood out of this stone, which is the starting unit on most nights. Um, and, the, and the blood you're trying to get out of it is good ball movement because you got one guy that can do it pretty consistently who got uh, 10 assists tonight, and I feel like he maybe had like 25 assist opportunities Yeah, in Luka. Like, we missed a lot of wide-open shots that he created. Um, but you're trying to force, you're trying to generate good ball movement, which is like the toughest thing <laughs> in basketball to, to just fabricate. So you're asking DeAndre to probably do a little bit more than his skill set allows him to. And whenever you're starting maxi, like, okay, that cranks up your defense and your rebounding is going to be really solid. And, you know, you can form a wall defensively. So it doesn't leave DeAndre underneath the basket, not trying to catch fouls. And it, it does all these fun things, but then you're, Okay, Barnes is not a good ball mover. Wes is not a good ball mover. It just makes everything so constricted where you're faking it. And you don't have wings that um you have one wing that's a dribble pass shoot guy. And you want you want a few of them. Just <laughs> flat out it's going to be a long night for you it's, if you don't. It's really just kind of the offensive flip side of what we were just talking about with wingspan. Mhm. They just don't, they don't have an, they have too many guys who are deficient in one thing or another. It's not to take anything away from the things they do well, mm-hmm. uh, where you know both Barnes and Matthews were shooting the ball very very well for most of the season. Uh, it's not to take anything away from them on that front, but I mean, dude, well, you I'm, you let them take that shot again. That's the thing, though. You that, know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. It's there's never it doesn't cause catastrophic failure. It's like whenever um, Bray is out there, he would cause catastrophic failure of your defense. He's going to get to spots that you can't defend, and he's going to throw passes that you can't get to. And it's just so frustrating because you're like, well, I can't let him do that again. So you overplay it, and then he's at your at your basket doing a little loop around. But uh, anyway, I hope uh, I hope Giannis appreciated that we uh, we brought his brother along to hang out for a couple days. Go. I, I hope he remembers that. What happened to the series? Are they too American now to where they're not blown away by basic food? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, when they used to eat stuff together. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. my God, Boston baked beans. Yeah. I think the the sponsor probably pulled after a year is what happened. Yeah. To be yes. honest. Yeah, I can't. Here's uh, one of them. Was it hot? It wasn't hot ones. That's, uh, that's the eat the wings show. Um, Tomorrow I'm on a mission to become a better player and to find funnel cakes and smoke turkey legs with mustard. <laughs> Here he is just holding some Funyuns. <laughs> Here's my first taste of American red Kool-Aid. <laughs> he got Pretty too sweet. serious about his diet. That's what happened. Yeah, if he, he became jacked, Giannis. Yeah, exactly. Dude, yeah. I bet you somebody up there has the take that that's what happened to his shot. Oh, I'm sure. His, I mean, his shoulders are pretty damn big. Yeah. Um, it's, it is hard to shoot <laughs> Hard to wipe your own butt with your arms that, he definitely that damn has long that issue. and strong. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like I should be more excited about Luka's first triple-double, but it was a game in which Milwaukee, whenever they put their foot down, they kind of 
we're just done with this. <laughs> yeah, and also just the stretch that they're in. Like if he had yeah. gotten it today, but they weren't, you know, five and sixteen in their last twenty one or whatever. Yeah. I think you you could probably have still gotten excited about it, but it's just they're in such a doldrum state right now. That yeah, and their their flaws are you know so he doesn't obvious. care. No, he he does not care at all. He's probably like, oh cool, tight tight guys. Mm-hmm. I still got bodied nine times. I only got two free throws. Like uh, yeah, all right. Um, Definitely had a rough rough night with the a rough day with the officials for sure. Yeah, but uh, second youngest player ever in NBA history to record a triple double. I feel like he probably. Should have had about 15, 16 assists um, if you're just counting passes he made to guys that shot it while wide open. Um, and I know he averages 10, I think, assist opportunities a game. It would probably go up after today if they update that uh, in a timely fashion. And I think it was six assists per game, 10 assist opportunities per game. Um, so his numbers are, I don't know what the normal is for that. I think they do an adjusted one, but it's not that much higher on his but uh, uh, his is roughly in line with what you would expect most. Like he's right in between Bledsoe and Beal, mm-hmm. um, just right below Kimball Walker. These are for potential assists per game. Yeah. Now the only reason I have that up uh, is because I wanted to look at Barnes, <laughs> uh, and mm-hmm. his is two point three potential assists a game, which puts him with. Uh, Derek Favors, Bobby Portis, Serge Ibaka, Miles Turner, Favors, uh, Alex Lynn, basically bigs. Yeah, and he's a wing who I actually last year an article. If you want to talk about this a little bit, mm-hmm. I did a, uh, I did a. You know, can Harrison Barnes become a secondary or even like reliable third ball handler? Mm-hmm. And over like the last. I think two months of last season, he was averaging like four assists a game. So that's, you know, last year, same thing with like Dennis's three-point shooting. There was reason to think that, okay, uh, you know, he's he's actually maybe putting it together a little bit here. Maybe that'll carry over into next year. And it obviously just hasn't at all. Now, some of that is personnel. The rest of it is that there's just a lot of times where he's on a one-track offensive mind. Yeah. And so when his shot is falling, you're like, okay, that's still fine. But if it's not, you kind of need to be able to counter. And he just hasn't been able to do a ton of that in recent games. And that's that's that an interesting specific. interesting point about uh, the assist opportunities that he's creating because I haven't thought about – so today they started Brunson, right? And I'm yeah. kind of looking at the screen like my dog whenever I say a word that she knows. I'm just like, okay, we're not going to play Maxi today? And – these two things are true, I feel. Maxi deserves to start. He's good enough to start. But you can't play Harrison Barnes at three. Because no matter what you do to a game, he's going to play like a four. Yeah. And he's not going to share the ball. Um, that's just not his game right now. Um, so I guess I'd rather have Brunson out there. I don't know. I mean, I'd rather have Dennis out there if we're talking – you know, in a couple of days. But if you're in that conundrum where you're going Brunson or Maxi, Brunson or Maxi, and you're trying to, you know, get the best out of Harrison Barnes because they don't win on a night to night basis if he doesn't score efficiently. It just you know, if he doesn't if he's not producing and he doesn't have numbers in the box score afterwards, it's really tough for them to win. Whether you think the guy should be an all star, whether you think the dude is overpaid or whatever. It it doesn't matter. If they, if he doesn't score fifteen plus yeah. efficient way it's really really tough for this team to win so that I, I didn't really thought about it that way that Barnes kind of dictates who should be in the starting lineup or not because of how he's going to play no matter what yeah and just given what Brunson and what Kleba are mm-hmm. you know I mean you, there's a way where I could perhaps envision um you know them all well really you're saying at that point that you would just not have DeAndre in the lineup like that's the other way you would do it is that you would essentially be um, you know, Kleba's your five nominally, Barnes four, Matthews three, and then or whatever you want to want to call Luca, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Brunson. You could do that, but you can't have that. Yeah, it that. And see, the other thing about that too is, um, you know, we were just talking about how they rely on Jordan to uh, as like a high post facilitator yeah. a little bit too much because he had like nine assists against the Lakers once. Mm-hmm. He actually passes the ball more per game than Barnes does. 
That is not good. That's tough, man. So Jordan averages two more passes made per game than Barnes, and he averages an entire potential assist opportunity per game and two more assist points created per game than Barnes. That's so like, crazy. That's really only okay if you're Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think with Clay, it's not so much that he can't; it's just that he doesn't have to. Yeah. Um. But he also, in bad times, is hitting more threes. You know than uh than Barnes is so it's look they're just a little bit of a a funky lineup especially whenever they don't have Dennis uh and I don't I didn't get to watch the game as closely as I would have liked today but um I feel like Maxi's game they're all running together for me but he's the thing that is keeping him from starting is that he's just a very shaky rebounder so far and there was a game a couple game a couple of nights ago, he had zero rebounds in like 15 minutes, <laughs> which is pretty much impossible for a big to do. Yeah. And I looked at it today, and he's like, uh, yeah, it was the Indiana game, 24 minutes, and he had zero boards. The night before against the Spurs, 28 minutes, two rebounds. Carlisle's not going to continue to give you consistent burn if that's your line, and it's definitely not going to happen at the five if that's your line. Yeah, And I looked at it the other day, and he's like in the 15th percentile for both offense and defensive rebounding percentages. I mean, you're not going to get as much run. Yeah. And you're definitely not supplanting DeAndre if that ends up happening, which right. is an interesting conversation about what is his future. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way DeAndre's back at this point. Yeah, I mean, there was a report that they don't plan on offering him a long-term deal. I don't know. Whatever. I didn't even see that. I yeah. just made, mean it. And I don't think he's been bad by any means. I just think it's more about the age, where the team is. I don't Yeah. No, I'm I'm on board with him at the right number, the right years and everything. But, you know, Maxie's not going to start at five if he's that poor of a rebounder. Yeah. Which then means you can't do all the other things you were just talking about with Brunson and Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, a couple newsy things that we probably need to get out of the way. Um, two things that will affect the Western Conference going forward and, um, you know, probably the shape of <laughs> the rest of this season and then free agency as it goes. Uh, Boogie's back. I don't know if you saw the first game. Uh, fouled out, which was just... Mwah. He did foul out, but... <laughs> the first uh, dunk was electric. Let's say that hypothetically you had been, you were just kind of like, man, I've... I'm at home and I don't really have anything going on and I want to try to bet on some basketball. Mm, right, right, yeah. You might look at the fact that the Warriors were only favored by seven against the Clippers Ooh, uh, in L.A. Okay. And as I continue to chip away at money that maybe I once bet uh, Mike over the 76ers, I've almost recovered all of it <laughs> on things like that. Seven the, points, the Warriors were going to smash the Clippers in that game. The make they good. Got, Dude, he got 15 minutes, but he got 14 points and like eight boards, six boards in that 15 minutes. Yeah. This is like uh, away. This is like the great montage of a movie whenever you're trying to make the make the stacks back after you got robbed or oh, something. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, there's a hand-to-hands. Yeah. There's like a Curtis Mayfield song playing <laughs> in the background or right, something. Right, you're just hustling. Um, yeah, I, the reason I brought it up more than anything was, yeah, he they played well, and uh, it's interesting what his future is. But also, I've said since the moment uh, he went there, I was like, these guys are not going to give an F about this season until Boogie's here. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to try murder, death, kill everyone for about a month. So if you have the Warriors on the schedule in between now and maybe like the last 15, 20 games this season, good stinking luck. Which the Mavericks don't, do they? No. Because, and you know, that sucks that, you know, we haven't done this in in a few weeks. The fact that they played three, that's probably going to be the three of the toughest one-team packs the Warriors face all year. Mm-hmm. You know, those all three of those games were down to the, like, within the last shot or two. The yeah. Mavericks were only able to get one, but. Yeah, Steph did a Steph thing, and yeah. the game was over. Like he does about half the times he plays against us. I mean, I would say the other angle to that is, as we're talking uh, Boogie and we're talking DeAndre, is do not rule out a DeMarcus Cousins pitch from the Mavericks. No, I mean... If he ends up playing like he can possibly play... You got to talk to him. Yeah. You owe it to yourself. I mean, they really do. I mean, if he's if he looks right and he looks like Boogie, like, you got to talk to the dude. You got you to gotta have him come in. You got to visit. 
another thing that interesting out of, out of Lakers land is everyone likes to, uh, I don't know how many GMs the Lakers got, but it feels like there's about 600 on the internet on a day-to-day basis. But uh, Lonzo Ball is going to be out four to six weeks. That sucks. I really like Lonzo Ball. Yeah. He I'm can, not afraid to say it. He can play a little bit. Um, and then the LeBron groin strain was revealed to be a grade two strain, which is much more uh, a, a bigger deal. I think that's like a four to six week type thing. Uh, and it happened right before they came here. So it was like, was it Christmas Day? It was not the Christmas Day game, I think. Um, so anyway, that might be as long as six weeks. I, I mean, judging on living on LeBron time, whenever he likes to take a couple of two weeks off during the season. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how long that is. The difference is, is that when he's done that before, he, his team was not in danger of missing the playoffs. Right. His yeah. team was simply, um, maybe going to fall to the four seed. Yeah. They're going <laughs> to still host. Yeah. Right. That's not, but now exactly Alonzo's out, that kind of compounds it. Right. Um, cause you're stretching that bench thin. You're probably rolling Josh Hart out in the starting unit and having to lean on, uh, Svee McCulloch or something like that off the bench. So things might get weird over there and they might get a little bit, a uh, little bit hot. Cause if they head into the final month, like, are we about to make the playoffs or what are we doing here? That's going to be a weird situation for the Lakers. Um, and then if you didn't see the, NBA awarded the Mavs a disabled player exception for J.J. Barea. Uh, the exception is 1.85, but they can use up to $1.95 million to acquire a player via trade. Hmm. So you basically got $2 million in trade exception. Yeah, it'll just be – I mean, obviously, you know, we're not going to try to move anybody here, but it's no secret. You hear Wes's name and you hear DeAndre's name all the time. Right, you, can, you can look because, at the cap sheet. <laughs> yeah, mostly just because they're guys who could still help people who are free. Mm-hmm. That's really all it is. Yeah. And so that is probably the only scenario where I could see that figuring in. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a nice number to be able to throw around to make something work. Um, you know, I mean, if you spend as much time analyzing other rosters and what their, their numbers are and how players get moved, you realize that a lot of trades fall apart because you're – you know, a million dollars off, um, and you don't want to throw in another person because another team doesn't want another player right. back because they don't want to cut somebody that they like. So uh, very helpful um, just moving forward. Just keep that in mind. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, – I wanted, I wanted to wait until this was kind of resolved in some fashion uh, because it doesn't really do anybody any good. Uh, for me, someone that works for the organization – to talk about at length a, uh, a standoff that was happening uh, in the organization between Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and appearing at practice and or games. <laughs> um, so the let me find the Dennis quote real quick, unless you got it pulled up over there. The statement? Yeah, the statement. I should have pulled it up. My bad. Dennis Smith Jr. quote. So anyway, basically... He said he's uh, happy to rejoin his teammates. Um, he's going to come back Tuesday, play in the Clippers game. Um, in short, it doesn't make any more sense for him to miss any more time, and it doesn't help anyone. Excited to be back with my teammates. So this is this has been resolved, I'm led to believe. And I feel like it was a pretty – no one came out of this looking better. <laughs> um Nobody, except for maybe the Mavs front office, Donnie and Cubes, because when someone starts sitting out games because of a disagreement and they start not showing up to practice and a lot of comments are being played through the media, I feel like it's pretty reactionary to go into the front office and go, well, got to get a deal done today. And that's how bad deals happen, right? Yeah. And so... Hand clap for Donnie and Cube is basically saying, you know what? No. You don't control our decision making. Either one of you, coach or player. Yeah. You don't control what we're going to do in team building. You just got to suck it up. Learn how to work together. You know what's the best? You know what's best for everyone? You playing your ass off, you coexisting with this coach, coach being nice to you and making you want to be here, and everyone's value comes up. Because if you really do want to get traded, 
this is not the time. And there's no, he didn't demand the trade, allegedly. But, uh, it, I mean, it got where he wasn't showing up. So you read what you want into that. Your your thoughts on how this worked out, and I read, read the article with you and Cato, which was very good. I would uh, tell everybody to go check out the Athletic DFW and, and read that. But uh, your thoughts on now that it's resolved, <laughs> I guess, did anybody really win or <laughs> – well, I mean, for now, the team is one. The organization, from a just organizational health standpoint, is one because I will continue to say over and over and over again that a player that is selected with the ninth overall pick is worth the, the most amount of value that that player can produce is to the team that drafted them uh, on their first contract. And then even on their second, if the player is good enough for you to want to re sign them, that is worth infinitely more than anything you are ever going to get back and trade. Like, in a vacuum, would I trade Dennis Smith Jr. for Mo Bamba? I would, but that has nothing to do with Dennis's level of commitment. It just has to do with, yeah, I'd take a big right now, um, but it's not because I don't think Smith Jr. can work with uh, Luca or anything like that, and those trades are not out there. <laughs> They're never out there. So it's the idea of a player, it's a – hackneyed cliche but it's exactly the same as what people say about a car I mean the second you take it off the lot and it is a real player and not a pick it is worth less to you and the way that it's worth the most is if it works out with your team and I don't personally feel like it wasn't working out I think he's done what he's publicly and at least on the floor I think he's done what he's asked been asked to do his shot is better uh he plays better defense I think it's absolute BS. Anybody that acts like he's not a good teammate or that he, you know, there was the like the big lead guy, like oh, his teammates don't want him here. From all things you can pick up from how they clown around on social media or watch the bench or watch in between possessions, I don't think there's anything to that at all. And so does that mean that he's making the right basketball decision all the time? Definitely not. Um, but you know, he didn't play three years in college like Jalen Brunson did. You know, he didn't even play as much in high school. So to me, if you if you take a point guard with the ninth overall pick, even if you decide you're going to make him a two guard, if you don't understand that it's going to be very, very rocky for at least the first few years, then you shouldn't have taken him. Mm -hmm. And I think that it requires a little bit of bending on both sides. And apparently we've got that now. So... This is by far the best case scenario is that he is here. And the second best case scenario is that he is here and good long enough so that another team that simply has a fit that works for you wants him. Because right now, I got news for you. Not a lot of people want him. I mean, it's just the reality. He hasn't proven enough to be all that valuable of an asset to another team. So option one is he becomes a secondary player playmaker, ball handler, score, which he certainly has a knack for doing, next to Doncic. Option two is is that he proves that he can do that long enough to where somebody else wants to take him and give you value, approaching value back. Uh, and the rest of the options are not good because at that point you basically will have spent three first-round picks on what amounts to making one player work. And that's doesn't – Obviously, you would give up three first-round picks for Luka, but that's not exactly a fast track to being uh, back to con contending or competing for the playoffs is if you have one player. I mean, dude, they have three players under contract for next year that don't have options uh, or, you know, broke off is obviously, like, partially guaranteed. But it's pretty much Luka, Brunson, and Dennis. So if you're going to trade one of those guys, you need to think real long and hard about whether or not it's going to help you in like 2021 if you do so. And the last thing I'll say is, I don't know near enough about how this went down behind the scenes to say this, but if someone is telling Smith Jr. that he will have a better chance to earn and compete and perhaps contend by being the point guard on another team that would trade for him right now as opposed to being Doncic's wingman, a guy who is going to get you open looks. I went through and looked at every team's percentages of their shots that are considered unguarded last year and this year. The Mavericks have had the third highest jump, over 10%. Uh, that's not going to go away. Every single team that Luka is on is going to be top five in the percentage of their looks that are easy and unguarded. 
And if Dennis wants to get paid, there's not going to be an easier way for him to do that than to play with Luca. That's what I think. <laughs> um, the most interesting part of what you said to me is the uh, this is a growing pain for a team that doesn't go through growing pains. Well, they've 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 totally obliterated the normal rebuilding process. I mean, I know I said it in the article also, but what they're attempting to do is borderline unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, the Spurs, I guess, have done it, but they always had, for the most part, some level of overlap between, you know, Robinson, Duncan, mm -hmm. and then even with Kawhi, like Kawhi was leading them for a while, and somehow now, by the way, the Spurs have seen the largest decrease uh, or whatever you want to call it, increase in They've they've dropped to last in the league in unguarded uh, shots and somehow are still going to be a playoff team. But that's pretty much it. You know, you don't see this in any sport. Yeah. Where, okay, I take a team to the pinnacle. I keep the same GM, the same owner, and the same coach. I go through what is supposed to be the downtime, and then I come back through on the other side. That almost always requires new regime. Mm -hmm. And so they're attempting to do it with the same guys, and I don't think it's any – it's no like accident or surprise that Jose Calderon can get burned here and Rick loves him, but like Mar uh, Monte Ellis is a thorn in his ass the entire time. And Rondo, he doesn't want to deal with him. And he does want to deal with Jalen Brunson, and he struggles with Dennis Smith Jr. It's obvious that those guys might be a little bit tougher to coach than some of the other guys that he came through coaching with on the way to having the most veteran-laden title team of all time. But you're going to have to put up with it. Like, you just can't snap your fingers and have 12 guys who are 30 and title-hungry again. And then Luka, you know, it's just not going to happen. You're going to have to coach some guys who are a real pain in the butt at times to coach. Not because they're bad guys, but because they haven't played as much as the guys you're used to coaching and winning with. Yeah, and there's a bit of a – I mean, <laughs> you can look at the receipts if you want to. Uh, almost as far back as you want to go um, in Rick's coaching career in which he demands a lot of a, out of a point guard. And some guys bristle at that. Some guys don't want any part in it. But he's not going to – his bar is not moving. Yeah. It's it's here. This is how you're going to perform at this level, or you know what? Um, I'm going to take you out in the second half of a game in Charlotte when your entire family's there to see you and you're having a pretty good game. Having yeah. a really good game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that was the moment, right? That it was felt the, like it. That was the uh, the flash in the pan. But, I mean, there's a history of Rick expecting a ton out of point guards um, and not quite ever trusting them. Um, and at some point, you got to wrestle that away. you got to prove that you can be trusted to call plays, to be a one-man offense out there and make the right moves. And it was it was pretty embarrassing from an organizational standpoint. I knew there was going to be some growing pains. I knew this is a team, a coach, a front office, uh, a marketing department, a sales department that isn't used to losing, and it it it's not it wasn't fun last year, but Dennis was their one shining hope, and just because he was the latest, our just because he was our lottery pick doesn't mean he's gonna end up like a lot of other lottery picks in other places, and we've talked about that a trillion times, man. Just because he was our, I mean, he's a fifth point guard taken in that draft. That should resonate in your mind forever. That don't expect, don't expect him to be De'Aaron Fox right now. And if you're getting into this on-the-fly rebuild where you're just building the plane as you're moving and now you actually have a pilot for it, <laughs> that is Luka, um, you got to be willing to deal with some of the growing pains and you got to have the stomach for it. Yeah. Because if you don't, these moments are going to happen. And I, I'm not saying anybody's at fault. I'm saying it's probably a pretty unique circumstance of a young point guard and Rick Carlisle working together and one of them thinking they were on good terms and then someone getting fed up and getting bad advice probably. And this situation, I mean, just sitting out games is super embarrassing for anybody. Like when a situation gets to that, I'm like, oh no, what did we do here? Um, but you gotta have the stomach for it. And if he thought he did his time last year with one season of, you know, 
below <laughs> below league average efficiency from a high ball handling guard. And this season, it's a brand new one. And you know what? Everyone's back to this level or or else. Like, we're not there yet. No, and you know, the other thing that's frustrating to me about it is I. it's like if you've played a certain number of games and you have a certain number of skins, then you're just treated differently even if you do the same dumb stuff sometimes. So, I mean, we've been talking about it. Like, there's so many times, I don't want to say dumb, but there's a lot of times where uh, DeAndre forces a pass or Harrison Barnes completely cannot see somebody who might be available uh, on the wing or Wes Matthews uh, in the LeBron foul or any of those sorts of, of plays. But because those guys are established vets who have earned trust, it just seems like their mistakes are not held against them to the same degree. And to me, one, I guess I get that, but it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. The second thing is it's not really about how, to me, what Dennis Smith Jr. looks like whenever he's on this roster. It's about how he would look like whenever he's on the roster two years from now, which almost certainly will not have two of the three players I just named, and maybe even all three of them on it. You know, if if he's the guy who is now, uh, you know, he's your second highest field goal attempt per game guy, and he's got the ball a little bit more, like, it's not just that they're asking him to do this thing differently. It's that they're asking him to do it with two other guys here who also kind of need the ball. And, or at least they're going to be taking shots, you know, in, in Barnes and, and Wes. So, you know, who knows what it looks like in a few years whenever now you, because you basically moved Dennis from like one to four. You didn't necessarily move him from one to two. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like positionally, I mean pecking order wise. You essentially moved him pretty far down the list on how the offense works. Yeah. Uh, and I, And I think there's a situation in a couple years where, you know, he's maybe even back up close to where his attempts per game is similar to what it was last year. Um, whenever Wes Matthews and Harrison Barnes are playing elsewhere or perhaps aren't playing at all in Wes's case, who knows? But I just I, I think it would be really, really bad if they had let this get to a point where they have to take 30 cents on the dollar for because there's not a lottery pick coming next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, probably not anyways. And so, you know. You're you got, really going to be back to the got to pitch yourself free a, uh, to free agents either way. Yeah, yeah, and you and during a rebuild, it it kind of makes you look in the mirror pretty hard, right? And you got to know yourself. You got to know if you have the stomach for playing a guard like that, who has 30 games of high level competition in his entire life, who has you know, um, about one quarter one-fifth of the high-level experience that Jalen Brunson and Luka have, you got to know yourself. Yeah. And if you if you don't have the stomach for letting the number ninth overall pick mature and hit his peak value, then you got to get off that pick. Like, don't don't get yourself in that situation. Because I, I understand Dennis' side of it, too. If he gets, you know, if he gets pecked at every single practice and every single thing he's doing gets pecked at, and then you see Brunson come up here and Luca come up here, and you're like, wait, 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 there's way more of my sl- sweat on this floor. Yeah, no, I think than, that's got to be frustrating. Than those guys, and I don't even. He, it's not that he's mad at those dudes, right. right? It's not that. It's just, it's the it's the learning in a real life live ammo situation that everyone gets treated different. That's pretty much all I have on it is that you're right. It's it, and but I guess I'll conclude with this. If the call was made and it unfolded the way that it did and I don't even care if if he was asked to do it, I think they seem at least for now committed to um they're going to try. Yeah. And maybe, you know, on one hand I kind of wonder, oh, will the fans forget about this? The fans will forget about it if they play well. Right. And I know I tweeted these numbers out um, the other day, but the numbers on with Dennis's catch and shoot numbers and his jump shot numbers this year are shockingly good. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because we just watched an entire year where he shot the ball very poorly. Um, but, you know, I heard Bobby saying uh, on numbers on the board that if you look at guys who had a high volume of threes taken their rookie season but shot like poorly, so below 32%, the increase percentage increase Dennis was third 
from year one to year two. Mm-hmm. And that's factoring in a stretch of games where he was obviously playing with a bum wrist. Um, and like I said, if you go and look at you know players of a certain number of, of possessions that are just considered half-court jump shots and then unguarded and guarded, he's like in the top He's like 80th percentile in all of it. And I, I I think he will come back and I think he will look basically exactly how he did for the, you know, month and a half where he was playing healthy. And I think he'll contribute to winning. And I think that that might require him occasionally playing with the bench unit more. Maybe he doesn't come off the bench, but especially with, with Berea gone, there's opportunities there for him to beat up on bench guards and, I hope that that's the outcome, and I, I actually kind of still think it's going to be the outcome. Yeah, and I, I just never understood how it got to that point because the best thing for the Dallas Mavericks as a basketball team, the best thing for the head coach, the best thing for the front office, and the best thing for Dennis Smith Jr. is for him to keep progressing and playing his ass off and being a very valuable player. If we're all wanting the same thing at the end of the day, how are we getting to this point? Yeah, like you got it. That's got to be the conversation you're having with him. Is doesn't it help everyone if you're here and you play awesome? Like let's let's do that. And uh, yeah, moving forward, it's. I mean, and he was fitting in. We've you can go listen to the last two episodes we did before he started missing time. He was fitting in. He had found a role, and this team without him and without Berea. No, they're now zero and eight without Berea. The the pace is a nightmare. They can't push the ball. I think they had zero fast break points in whatever game it was after the Minnesota game. Like, that's embarrassing. Like, I, I, I love Luka touching the ball every time up and down the court. I love him, you know, creating open looks. But, man, you can see in the fourth quarter, in the final five minutes, when he has to drive every possession for three and a half quarters – yeah, and then he gets out there, and it's time to hit the pedal again. I mean the the uh, the Golden State game when it's winning time, when it's thirty seconds left, and they just got a big rebound, and they're down two, I think, and Barnes brings the ball up, and everyone's kind of like trying to reset, and Luca's not over the half court line yet because he physically can't run anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's just, just what's happening to Harden. Yeah, and. Another that's one thing I'll bring up to kind of transition out of this is uh one of the more interesting things I've seen teams do to James Harden which is okay, I know what you want to do. You want to play, you know, my weight back and forth and see if you can get your step back and if you overplay it, go at the rim. Some teams have just made him go at the rim. They're like, "Nah, bro, you're going to shoot about 10 threes this game, but if you want the points, they're there in the in the lane." Yeah. But we're going to we're going to foul the hell out of you about five times. You're going to have to work for him. You're going to have to hit that top speed about every time down the court. And I think teams are kind of trying to do that to Luka. If you want the points, they're there. If you want the shots, they're there. But you're going to have to get in the paint to get them. And I want to see him adjust to it. Because I feel like they've done it about three games now where they're just not letting him shoot step backs and just not giving him any room to breathe. And if he gets past you, like today I feel like he did a good job of getting past people and finding open shooters. But that's the wrinkle he's got to throw in there, right? So they've countered to you is you're not shooting from this far away. I'll give you the drive to the basket. I'm going to trust my help back here. And for him, one of the reasons I really want him to stop falling into the stands is, okay, you're going to get hurt, but yeah. you're just going to get worn out during games <laughs> if you do that three or four times. Um, so that's just a interesting counterpunch that I think defenses are doing is, okay, let him go at the basket. He falls a lot. <laughs> if I could yeah. put a body on him, he's going to be flailing out of bounds. But Falling uh, into a cameraman. Yeah, every time. So they are averaging three fewer points, fast break points a game in this five-game stretch, five game stretch without Dennis. Yeah. Which is significant. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is these are all pretty small sample sizes, but um, really you, you take the first 15 games of the season, and he was shooting uh, 39.3% on 4.1 a game. Now, that like, that takes us right up to Brooklyn, which is where he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, over that next five-game stretch, he was down to 23% from three. And then if you just go just whenever he got back, 44%. Yeah. So 
I, I mean, I think there's a pretty clear reason why he had a dip right there, and it caused him to miss games. And it, you know, it was he flat out said, "This is affecting me most when it comes to uh, my threes because mm-hmm. his free throws were still fine in that time. Everything else was fine. Um, so I, I really don't think it's crazy at all to think that, um, especially as teams start to play Luca that way, that he's able to continue to get open looks for Dennis. And I'll say this again, and I know that Dennis is not efficient in the pick and roll at all, and it's certainly the part of his game where he's got still got the longest to go, to go offensively mm. in particular. But I still think there's there's something to trying Luca as the screener more often when Dennis has the ball. Now you're talking about how he's already beat up. That doesn't help. That yeah, that actually makes that worse. Yeah, setting but, screens is not fun work. But I, I do think that uh, that that's an option, you know, kind of like what uh, the Cavs used to do with Kyrie and LeBron, especially when LeBron's shot was really falling. I think that if you have a player that can both roll or pop, you're going to have better pick-and-roll ball handler numbers. Mm-hmm. And yep. right now he essentially only runs it. I mean, I could probably pull it up here on second spectrum, but he essentially only runs it with DeAndre. Yeah. And they that's been not good. No. It's been below average. There's a lot of reasons why that hasn't worked. Right. But yeah, it just hasn't. Have you did you notice the last couple of games? Um they've been screening on ball with Wes and Barnes. Yes. They've done it a, like three or four times each game and I'm like, huh, that's weird. And I haven't like tracked how successful it is. It's just something that definitely stands out to me where I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that because usually it's just Maxi, Dwight, or DeAndre, right? Those like and Dirk will come out there and put his little pigeon legs out there and kind of set a screen, but um, shuffle his feet. Yeah, and then just gonna swing open and wait for the ball to get to him. Uh, I never, I I've seen him do it with Barnes before. I don't know that I'd ever seen it with uh, Wes. With Wes. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little wrinkle. Um, all right, let's uh let's wrap up with there are thirty six games left. Uh, twenty twenty six right now. I think we're. A smidge closer to keeping our pick than making the playoffs, which is a bummer. But I knew, I mean, anybody could look at, um, what was it, like the 20th of December until this point in the season and go, yeah, that, that month there, that 30 days is either going to make or break them. And right now it's, you know, we're not broken. We're within striking distance of 500, which I think is where you want to be. And then February gets a little softer. But um, with 36 games left. What do you want to see from the rest of the season in terms of what our thoughts are going into the offseason, going, I need this, I need that, that doesn't work here, this lineup's done. Um, we're not a – even though we shoot a crap ton of three-pointers, I don't know if we're a great three-point shooting team. You know, just just new rules that you can set aside for yourself. I mean, I'm going to just reiterate what I was just saying. It, st- it starts with what do Dennis's uh, shooting and defensive performances and numbers look like over that stretch? Because mm-hmm. if he, dude, if he shoots 40% on four threes a game or four and a half threes a game, that is a two guard. Yeah. <laughs> now, he still needs to be able to get to the line, which he can't do at all. So I would, I would say that if I, Dennis the cutter who can get to the line a little bit, that would be huge. Yeah. Because during those stretches I was talking about where his three point numbers were good, his free throw numbers were still awful. They've just never gone up. Um, so that would be the first thing. The second thing is, what is Brunson? Can Brunson be consistently the guy who leads your second unit? Because uh, I know J.J. says he wants to come back, and, and maybe he can, but you you can't rely on that, on an Achilles. I mean, I know he's going to try, mm-hmm. for sure. But, you know, I don't, I don't know that you can just definitely rely on that. And, and to me... That's kind of why you have Brunson. Yeah. If uh, if JJ can't go next year, uh, Maxi's rebounding, which I guess you probably would need to see if you could get him playing the five and see what that looked like, and that gets tricky because now I'm basically talking about um, trading DeAndre. Um, and then, you know, there was a time where I was a lot higher on the idea of Dorian the starter. Um, but his shot is just gone, and he did have a pretty nice stretch to give us all hope. Um, but 
He did it at the right time, which was the beginning of the season. Yeah. Did it for about a month, and then there was six weeks where it was like, bro, come on, you got to hit one or two threes a game. And he's got the same sort of thing that I would say Powell and uh, Maxi fall into this, which is it's a cascading effect when they miss, mm-hmm. where it starts to look even less confident. And I don't think that any of those guys have to be able to shoot threes to be NBA players. Yeah. But I do think they probably have to be able to shoot threes a little bit to be NBA starters. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're deciding what we're going to do at center next year, if it's a platoon-type situation, I'm fine with that. But the Maxi who hits it like 35% and is at least a threat is a lot more interesting to me as a starter than a guy who's shooting, you know, 25%. Yeah, that guy's way more playable in way more situations. Yeah. Finney's so confusing to me i mean that's on my list here i need to know i need to know the value and what units and what exactly the role of dorian finney smith and maxi are i even think pal i mean pal's you know got an option so yeah. we'll see but those are all three guys that i'm kind of like mm-hmm. you do some stuff right not sure you do enough for me to pay you like a starter yeah and you're all a little bit old yeah you're not be... exactly so brunson you kind of get a pass although he's not exactly Super young. No, but first player, first but yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, if that's the thing, right, is if you're north of 25 and I'm sitting there going, well, hey, you know, this guy right here is a tantalizing, tantalizing prospect if he develops X, Y, Z, and you're like, well, they're 25. Yeah. And, yeah, Maxie made a jump last year because he's healthy in the offseason and he could get his workouts in and obviously put a lot of work into his lower body and being able to launch quickly. But it's just it is 70% of the time that doesn't happen, you know. You don't make some crazy jump at age 26. Um, so, yeah, all, all three of those dudes. Um, I think I think I know what Powell is, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, how, how you evaluate it and how you, where you rank it in your hierarchy of needs is kind of different. But for me, Maxi and Dorian have the most to gain from this final 36 games. Um, you know, do you have guys that are bubbling to be in the starting lineup? Do they bring so much good in these areas and their skills are so polarized into this positive area over here that, you know, you can hide the deficiencies they have? Or are they just, you know, eighth, ninth guys that need shots created for them? Which the unfortunate thing about that is those are guys you can sign. Yeah. It sucks because you want to keep your own. Mm -hmm. But, like, I can probably go find guys eight, nine, and ten on my roster with exceptions and with, Mm -hmm. you know, barely above minimums. Yeah. Like, I... I got, I can get that. That's the great thing about Al Farouk Camino a couple of years ago, right? Because everyone was like, man, which has seemed like a crazy contract at the time, four for 40. It's a lot of money. I was like, I think the day or the moment we knew that he was going to be a free agent and they hadn't agreed to an extension, I was like, you know what? Really, really love the guy. Love him. But you know what I don't want? I don't want to overpay my eighth or ninth guy off my bench. And I don't want Al Farouk Aminu right now. I want the next Al Farouk Aminu. Yeah. Give me the next one. Go find it. That's actually your job. The talent evaluation and the acquiring of talent, that's that's the job. That's the job description. So go find me the next one. And then I guess the final thing I'd want to uh, see, and uh, you know, I don't know when this would happen, or if it's just some random game they roll this out there a couple times. Um, I want to see what Luca in a James Harden role would be. Like, I don't know if it's just while he's on the court, they go to this heavy ISO pick and roll you're going to use, you're going to have an extremely high usage. It's already pretty high, but... It's pretty high, but also, I mean, he's like 40, 48th, tied for 47th in shots per 100. Um, So I'm like, what if it was, what if we cranked it up a little bit? Maybe drop your minutes just a smidge? Just stay consistently at like 30, 31? But when you're on the court, you are the offense. And it's kind of gotten to that point because he passes so well that those count as, you know, usage as assists. But I just want to see what a full-on nuclear Luka-based offense would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i hesitant to – I'd be interested to see what it looks like in stretches, but I'm hesitant um, because I think it's killing Harden. Yeah. And eventually, like you were saying, I think you can make those other guys have to make shots. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, hey, we're just going to give you a roller and three shooters. That's to me, that is the appeal mm-hmm. of Dennis because I have someone else who might, if, you know, Drew Holiday denies the inbounds, although that's more of a, you know, an out of a timeout or side out type play as opposed to just your normal offense, which I think is more what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, if you deny him the ball, another guy who can go to the rim. Yeah. And theoretically, Dennis is that guy. Obviously, it didn't work out that time. But, man, I don't know. The one thing I would add, you know, to what you're saying there, though, is that, you know, I'm interested what this potential wall is going to look like. I mean, he played a ton of games in Europe, but they didn't play this close together. Yeah. And the games are shorter. Um, I don't think he came into the year in great shape, obviously. So do you worry what it looks like? And and what would that personnel even be? It would probably be DeAndre, uh, Dirk, Wes, and probably Barnes. But you would just have them not doing anything other than getting out of the way. Yeah, just waiting, other than DeAndre. Waiting, waiting for shots. Yeah, so it's not even necessarily that your personnel would be that different, but you're not. I think – I think they're kind of doing it in stretches with that second unit. They had a really weird lineup out there today that was like Powell, Maxi, Devin, maybe Brunson or Wes and Luca. And that is Luca and four shooters. Yeah. Or three and a dive guy, right? Screen center and three shooters. And I was like, oh, this is weird. What's happening here? I don't know. I just think you need to put him in situations. And right now is the time to do it um, where you have this okay, let's just try some crap (laughs) in the final 36 games. Uh, You need to put him in situations where he can kind of, like, find a superpower. Like, throw him, make him play, like, out of a trap, you know? Like, if they run a trap at him, like, go split the thing. Like, go run through that wall. It's uh, it's almost like a a, a Deadpool theory of, okay, I'm going to suffocate you so you find out your superpowers. That's how that movie worked. Like, he... He didn't get his superpowers until you like put him in some extreme condition. I did. I have enjoyed the way they've the staggering is different now with the lineup. Oh, it's way I weird. I mean, against Indiana the other night, um, Luca was out there with Finney Smith, Powell, Dirk, and Devin Harris, mm-hmm. and Powell was eating. Yeah, he was finding Powell a lot. So that works. Yeah, he. I mean, when when he has a really aggressive dive, man. Yeah, <laughs> you see. You see what happens. Yeah. Um, no surprise. And also just, you know, their bench units are not ready for that. Yeah. Him with Moreo was working. That's what sucks too, man. Yeah, it really does. They were playing really well uh, together. But uh, all right. Well, we got Clippers tomorrow night. Round three. Um, maybe Dennis can lose another tooth. Uh, Dude. It's here. That's a really funny game to have him coming back for. I know. Because if he's going to be like super jazzed up, there could be some drama in that game. Yeah. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. That'll be a fun one. Um, all right. Let's get out of here. Uh, the four-pointer's back. I got to go breastfeed. Jake is back. Uh, thank you all for listening. And, Jacob, thanks for your time. We'll see you.